Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. It is April 15th. I am here today with Richie and our guest, Parker. Parker, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much, Matt. Excited to be here. Um, really loving the league and just happy to, you know, jump in and uh, talk about some fantasy baseball here. Yeah, hell yeah. This is uh, this is our first guest of our new podcast. Uh, so, Parker will join me and Richie today. We'll talk about a bunch of topics. Richie will probably rub it in your face, Parker, that he's up by 100 points, which is kind of savage right now. But uh, we're going to start off with our icebreaker. Uh, Richie, I'm going to go with you first. I want to hear your worst fantasy loss of all time. Oh, this, this one's an easy one for me. It's going to have to be the championship two years ago. Uh, our championships are over two-week spans, so... Uh, their weekly lineups, so you get the first week and second week to set your lineups. And um, I had a decent lead against Russ, and I decided to drop Carlos Martinez because there was he left like on a Saturday night with shoulder stiffness, and so I decided to play it safe and pick up some random bum who could uh, close for me. And Carlos Martinez ended up, I think, saving four or five games for a combined like thirty or forty points, which. Could have been the difference maker. I ended up losing the championship by like 23 points or something like that. And I, I think that's my biggest regret. What about you, Matt? What's yours? Yeah, mine was losing to you by point, two points last year in our championship. My, uh, if my memory is correct, it was either point two points or it was two. Either way, it was devastating. Um, I still feel like I should have four or five championships, but... My inability to make moves and pick up catchers, you know, costs me money and rent. So that's just great. Parker, I want to hear yours. You said before we came on today you have a couple. So give us like kind of the context and the stories. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, uh, I'll give you two real bad ones. One's me. One's one of my buddies. And then I'll give you an awesome one that's like a blast from the past, probably when we were in like middle school. But um, my first one is uh, in fantasy basketball it's a daily lineup league so it's all about pickups and streaming players Uh, my opponent wasn't really that into it and it was a pretty big week and um, the scores get pretty high Um, and he didn't pick up a player all week and my other buddy texted him on Sunday hey pick up guys and he picks up three guys and wins a 1721.5 to 1718.5 so he beat me by three oh, fantasy no. points <laughs> and my oh. buddy just rubbed it in my face um and it was the other buddy that texted him that really got him to do it so that was beautiful but those two guys actually played in fantasy football last year in the championship game and um the one won by 0.14 mm. and he was all excited next day stat correction <laughs> ravens d get, got an extra sack and it flipped to the other guy Terrible. that's some straight fantasy karma though and with that like <laughs> richie actually had some shit like that yeah happen. you know just last year i know this is fantasy baseball but in the championship I was down by, what was it, 82 points or something, but yeah. I had Stefan Diggs and uh, oh, I can't Allen. think of his name, Josh Allen, and they combined to get me just enough, and I actually won by .02 points, 
And then for the first two days, it like stayed locked, no stat corrections. And then I checked the third day after payouts were done and I had lost by 1.98 or something like that. So I was like, where was the stat correction? It was a glitch in ESPN. And then the following day, like four days later, it went back to me winning by 0.02. And my heart sank for that one day. I was like, son of a bitch, I already paid out everybody. But it ended up working out. But it then went back though, didn't it? Like it Yeah, it went back. So I ended up winning. Um, but there was one day where I had technically took second place. Oh, I thought it I went on... back twice. I thought you actually ended up losing. No, no, I ended up winning. Uh, and yeah. I actually yeah, it was crazy. So Parker, what is the uh what is the next story you have in line for us? Oh, yeah, so this one's a blast from the past. Um, I think I was in middle school. I don't even think I was on ESPN Fantasy Football. It was some random league. But back to Tony Romo on the Cowboys. Um, late th- th- 3 o'clock games, we both had um, one receiver left, both on the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are, like, blowing out this team. And the receivers were, I had Patrick Creighton, and he had Roy Williams. Um, and it's third and goal. I'm down five. It's like th- third and goal from the two. And Romo scrambles around. They're blowing him out. He throws it. Roy Williams is wide open. He, like, looks away. It banks off his hands. And my guy, Patrick Creighton, catches it behind him for six points to beat him by one. <laughs> oh, that's savage. <laughs> that's clutch. That's clutch. Yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is almost like I had a loss. I had a bad beat in fantasy uh, football. I was in the playoffs first round. I had the week one. The guy only had Drake left. This is Kenyon Drake. And that oh. was that was the Miami Dolphin miracle play where they lateraled it oh and gosh. Drake scored. I was bartending at the time, and I fell to my knees and just <laughs> thought, why does this happen every single year to me in the playoffs? Like, this is ridiculous. This is like the multitude of my feelings towards fantasy. I think you have the worst luck once you get to the playoffs. Like everything goes right for you in the regular season and then just something just doesn't go your way in the playoffs every year. It's every time. Peyton Manning of fantasy football. There you go, Matt. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yep. you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, hey, you got, hey, you got more hair than him, so you got that going for you. <laughs> and I'm not busy like tutoring Drew Locke either. All right, uh, we're moving along. We've talked about football too much already. We still have to enjoy the rest of summer. Um, all right, so Parker, I want you to tell the listener a little bit about you know how long you've been in our league, who you're co-managing with, and just a little bit about like why you enjoy fantasy baseball. Yeah, for sure. So I believe this is my fourth year in the league. Um, I actually was connected through your guys' hometown friend, Jackson, Mm -hmm. um, as Max Phelps, who's also in my league, who I went to college with. Um, Him and I co-run a team, which is great, and he used to work with Jackson. So um, you guys had an open spot, and I jumped in. Um, Always been a big, big baseball fan in general. Played my whole life, played travel my whole life. Wanted to be a general manager as a little kid. Um, used to play on MLB The Show and didn't even play the game. Would just trade for players just because <laughs> I enjoyed it so much. Yep. <laughs> um, that's exactly yeah. what we do. <laughs> that's pretty much what we do. But it's great because Max is very, like, he's a finance guy. He's very analytical. Not real as into baseball, but looks into the stats and really the pure numbers. Where I'm more like the longevity of the you know baseball fan and know the players and kind of know the prospects and everything bringing up so it it toodles out to being really good like combination overall so 
So kind of with like that partnership that you guys have, you come into this league, we know it's dynasty. We've been kind of building towards this ultimate setting that we have now of how the league is structured with, you know, unlimited keepers and the salary concept that Richie has really drawn up. What is the strategy that you and Max kind of looked at this team that you took over and what was the ultimate building approach that you had to like kind of where the team is today? Yeah, so when we first entered the league, uh, I believe we could only keep like six players, um, but now it's changed a lot where we can keep like an entire roster, as Matt, you denoted earlier. Um, really, um, starting pitching is, is key um, in this league. It's such a premium. If you can get a player like that, it's, it's really um, great for your entire team, and you can trade for really anything you want. So building that up as much as you can without Matt uh, Richie and Reed hoarding them all. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to get us on a bad day, Parker. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe you just gotta yeah. get him to trade Jose Barrios one day, and then you're good to go. Yeah, maybe uh, for we'll like get into that. two we'll get closers. Into that I don't know, but yeah, keep going, keep going. Uh, yeah. So no, and then um, obviously just like I mean, don't be afraid to take hits on prospects, and you know, hold them on your bench. Um, I mean, if you guys remember, I think the first year I was in the league, I had Vlad and Tatis on my bench the entire season. Um, and it really helped me kind of shape my team, uh, moving forward as I took a team over that was not very good. Um, but it's taken, you know, four years to really build it into, you know, a potential playoff team, not this week against Richie, but I'm, I'm very injury riddled, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, so, uh, it's looking like a good team. So I'm pretty excited now that we finally built it. Yeah, Richie, what are your thoughts on uh, kind of the construction of Parker's team and like where they've come from where they were? Yeah, they definitely turned the team around. Um, I definitely agree with both uh, your takes on getting the high-end prospects and pitching. Um, If you have the right guys, you can turn a pitching, uh, like a mid-tier guy into a good bat that's top 10 at any position, and that can make or break you depending on how deep your pitching staff is i think you guys are right there on the cusp you just need one to stay healthy and two just maybe get one or two more of those solid pitching guys to improve on your chris bassett at the end of your rotation he's not the worst but he's not the greatest if you can get one of those young guys i think you could be right then right right in the thick of it yeah pearson's 100 percent healthy coming back He's is he going to be miles an hour? Is he going to be in the rotation like next yep. swing? What's the idea behind him? Yeah, I think they're going to put him in pretty shortly. Here, he's a hundred percent, and they're playing to put him in, back into the rotation. I love. And then when, I got that dark horse center guard coming in late May. So I love when players say they're absolutely pain free. Um, it's like interesting to hear that. Like that's coming from them and it's like the team can't even say that you know like there's a lot of these guys that are like no i'm good enough to be out there and the team's like yeah you're good for like another seven days i think actually bud but with pearson entering your rotation you're gonna have anderson savali barrios kershaw and i think pearson could be that big guy for you as richie said you take bassett out um lopez man you know you got him in the barrios trade as well he's not what we thought he was yet but i think he will be what do you think yeah, you know, he doesn't have a lot of velocity, um, which always scares me, especially when he's kind of in his prime. But he's a very good spot pitcher, which, as we've seen with the Kyle Hendricks and the Greg Maddoxes of the world, can be a real effective pitcher, especially in fantasy. It's really that Marlins team, they need to pick it up and get him some run support. Didn't have a great outing his uh, third game, but the first two were really impressive. 
um, just needs that run support. It's it's tough when a pitcher doesn't get that, especially in our league where it's 10 points for every uh, mm-hmm. win you get. Well, and it also seems like he can't play against the Braves. I mean, I think this is his third blow-up against the Braves, and it just seems like it's a continuous trend. But, all right, we're going to move along here. Yeah, going off your pitch, and let's get into the trade that you made uh, before the season started. You got Jose Barrios and Pablo Lopez from Matt. So talk about what you were thinking about in that trade and how you got the deal done. Yeah, so last year I um, got Arroyo's Chapman and Nick Anderson in the draft. As Matt knows, I was very high on Nick Anderson, um, even though he's not officially the closer because – Tampa Bay just likes to do th- everything unorthodox um, when they have one of the best closers in the league. Uh, and then late in the season last year, I grabbed Trevor Rosenthal um, when he was on the Royals for a buck. Um, and then he got traded to the Padres and his value exponentially went up. So I had a plethora of different relief pitchers that I could move. And as I denoted earlier, starting pitching is just something that doesn't come by that often and Matt had um, kind of the inventory to give and uh, he offered you know Jose Barrios which I really loved I was um, you know pushing for Zach Gallon, which um, isn't looking as good right now but um, Matt uh, is on that high horse of Zach Gallon, which is great <laughs> <laughs> because Barrios is looking awesome and Pablo Lopez is a very serviceable like you know four or five starters we kind of t- talked about earlier but um, yeah, so I traded uh, Trevor Rosenthal and Arroyo's Chapman at the beginning of the year, and Nick Anderson went down with that big injury, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I have no relief pitchers. I had three really good ones, and now I have none. I traded them both away. Uh, after that, um, obviously, Rosenthal went down, and Chapman is just not the same. Um, so it overall was a great trade for me. Um, very high on Berrios. I can kind of go into him a little bit. You know, he's – He's 26 years old, plays on a great team that scores a lot, um, so that he's going to generate a lot of wins. Um, he had a, a couple impressive starts. You know, he had a no-hitter going the first game with 12 Ks through six, um, and they had to pull him. Um, but his biggest issue in the past has been fastball command, uh, but it's really improved overall in the past few, three games. And through his spring training and everything, he was very sharp on that while maintaining his velocity at 95 miles an hour. Um, he's also has a lot of spin rate on his curveball, which um, produces a lot of strikeouts uh, overall. Um, he's just an innings eater too, which you know you gotta love. He he puts up 200 innings a year. He doesn't get hurt really that often. Um, but uh, as Matt kind of talks uh, talked about with me, Barrios um, has has real strong starts, but he falls off um, mid year. Um, he did change his workouts this year to not be as rigorous in the beginning of the year to avoid kind of that fall off. So I'm um, hoping he can last. Um, his third start was a little scary, but um, right now, I mean, he's looking like one of the better pitchers in the game. So his manager said he's he's at the top of his game right now. So I'm loving it. Well, and Richie, you kind of, I mean, you've I think you've seen this with Berrios because he's been on my team for, well, I think this would have been three years before I traded him to you, Parker. I don't know if it's the cold weather that allows him to elevate his spin rate. I don't know if it's the grip on the baseball. I don't know what it is, but when it gets hot, he loses control of his command. And it's something that I, I really hope doesn't happen to him this season. I would love to see a great Jose Barrios. Like I, I like the player. I like the guy. 
Um, I want to see him like execute his full potential, but having him for three years and watching him fall apart when like he, he builds you up for two years and you're like, okay, I have a number two, I have a number three, like it's no problem. It's plug him and start him. And then, you know, come August and September, he's almost un- like rosterable. It's hard, but you said it perfectly. I think that age 26 season is something that I truly do believe in as kind of the tipping scale for these pitchers and again his command of that fastball absolutely has to be on point he has to be executing richie what are your thoughts on barrios well now that he's not on your team he's going to perform perfectly in august and september (laughs) (laughs) but no i i agree with both of you to an extent i do think he's an innings eater i do think he's got the stuff the only concern i've ever had with him is when he gets later in the sixth or seventh inning, I start to see his command uh, fall off. And I think it's just going to have to come down to the manager and finding out when's the perfect time to pull him with, but that's with any pitcher. So I think um, obviously workload's a concern, but that's with every pitcher. So I'm kind of curious to see if he can make the leap into the top 10, top 15 pitchers this year. Well, but, and, but in last game, last night, Parker, you brought up a good point. Four and one third. I didn't even look at the box score from last night, and that's on me. Four hits, four runs, three walks, five strikeouts. So the strikeouts are there, but you know, three walks were the exact same number he had from his last start, which he didn't allow any runs. He's also facing the red hot Red Sox. You know, it's like every day somebody else is going three for four in that lineup. But these are the games that concern me, and these are the games why I traded him. Now I really ended up with Raulis Chapman. This is a A plus trade for you, hands down. Yeah, yeah, overall, I mean, I got lucky with Rosenthal, obviously. He was hard to part with being a dollar um, and on an athletics team that, you know, last year was so great. Um, and then Arroyo Chapman, obviously, you know, one of the best closers of all time on the Yankees, you know, big team. At, you know, at the service of the trade when it was done, I think I asked Richie, and Richie was like, I think Matt won the trade slightly, but um, I explained kind of my logic around starting pitching. And he's like, well, if you put it that way, I think you might have you might have won the trade. So uh, it, it was a good trade on paper. Just, you know, you got hit with the injury bug and you needed those two relief pitchers. So it made sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Go ahead, and I, I, I think when you, you told me that you weren't even planning on keeping Aroldis Chapman at the time. So it was really Rosenthal for Barrios and Pablo Lopez. I was like, oh, well, in that scenario, then absolutely it's a steal. But speaking of relievers, why don't we talk about some of the guys that you wanted to talk about today? And Matt, I know you mentioned the Red Hot Red Sox. So let's talk about uh, Matt Barnes. Parker, what are your feelings on him? Yeah, Matt Barnes really, you know, he's been a very wild guy over his career, but just a lot of potential. And his the strikeouts are really there. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I wasn't sure. Um, I picked up... Uh, Ativino or whatever, I can't pronounce his name, but he was so great for the Rockies a couple of years ago. With that awesome slider and really um, kind of got blown up last year with the Yankees. But uh, I had both of them kind of hedging my bet, um, waiting. Um, and Barnes had COVID at the beginning of the year, so I wasn't sure. And um, But he's been excellent. And now with the, the Red Sox being so hot, I mean, he's turning into like an elite closer um, with that strikeout rate. And the hot Red Sox went in nine in a row. Yeah, it's crazy. Barnes has been a guy that I think in this industry we've been waiting for him to kind of like rise to the top and take that job and be this 
you know, top 12, top 10 closer because, I mean, come on, it's the Red Sox. And he just hasn't been able to, A, stay healthy, and then, B, execute when he is healthy. And when you sent us the list of some of the guys you want to talk about today, I pulled up Barnes, and I'm like, there's no way. Like, what's he doing? And I see his numbers, and I'm like, holy shit, he figured it out. You know, like, the Red Sox haven't lost, if I'm correct, since the first series of the season, and Barnes has clearly been taking advantage of that. And, man, if, if this is the season that he breaks out, ride him all the way till the end and then as soon as preseason trading opens up next year trade his ass immediately <laughs> that's that would be my advice yeah yeah and I'm, I'm just not a big advocate of holding on to closers i think you can kind of pick them up and especially with the you know at the beginning of the year there was only like 10 defined closers in the league mm-hmm. it's just changing nowadays where you know they're kind of going with the matchup a lot of the times um and it really depends on uh, the manager's, you know, play and who, who he's going to put in there. So, um, you know, and with a lot of these closers, they get hurt pretty easily, too. So um, don't like to invest too heavily on them. Um, more of a starting pitching guy. Yeah. And as somebody who's playing the closer coaster himself, I've already had Jordan Romano and Julian Merriweather twice for the Toronto Blue Jays. And now they're both on the injury list. So I definitely understand where you're coming from with, you never know who's going to be the closer on a case by case basis. So let's uh, talk about some batters that you want to touch on Parker. Who are some guys you like this year? Yeah, for sure. So um, the first guy I'm, I'm, I'm real high on is Abisil Garcia. Um, if you remember him, he's kind of been a journeyman across the league um, an older outfielder, but think he's a great um, kind of wa- waiver wire pickup, especially now, um, as he is on the Brewers team with you know Yelich and Kane kind of um, hurt right now, and had really promising years in like 2017. He hit 330 with the White Sox, and in 2019, if you remember, he was great with Tampa Bay. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, if you if you play it like the Bryce Harper, you know, every other year it's looking like he was he's been good. Twenty twenty one is looking great, um, but also just looking at his um, kind of some of his numbers, his hard hit percentage is fourteenth in the league right now um, at fifty five percent, which is um, you know bats you know over ninety five miles an hour um, off the bat, which is fantastic, and his barrel is fi- is tied for fifth in the league with uh, none other than Aaron judge. So uh, really a great, real exciting kind of um, player overall to jump in um, and you know, to, start in that Brewers uh, outfield. They used to call him uh, little Mickey. I think the years he was in Detroit, I think he went from Detroit to the white Sox to the Rays. If I'm correct, does that sound about right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and when he was in Detroit, he had the same body type and same bat skills that Miggy had, supposedly, right? I mean, Miguel Cabrera is a Hall of Famer. But we see flashes of it, and I mean, the numbers you just talked about are absolutely online with, you know, what Miguel Cabrera used to do. I just think he doesn't have the consistency, but I'm hoping he, this year, as you said, kind of that odd year could be the case because we need him as Brewer fans. Like, he's he's got to perform. And when he's in there, this offense is just so much better. And I absolutely think you're right. I think he's a guy that you could use as kind of your fourth fantasy outfielder where you're putting him in weeks that Kane's out or Bradley's out and bringing a big value to your team. Well, Parker, why don't you go ahead and list off uh, another guy for us or even a couple if you've got them. 
Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll keep going on bats, too. Um, and, Matt, you're going to love this because uh, I'm trying to trade you for him right now. But uh, Jared Walsh. Um, there we 27, go. 27-year-old, 27, 27 um, off to an awesome start with the Angels. There was some potential playing time issues with pools, but we all know he's a little washed up, you know, um, as of now. Um, but uh, especially with the Dexter Fowler injury, um, he's young. He's playing the outfield now, and um, he may get that designation soon. I think he's six games in, and I believe is it ten, Matt? That you you ten starts. Yeah, for positional players, I believe it's ten to get eligibility for the current year, and you need to hit fifteen to re- retain that eligibility for the following year. As far as ESPN goes, I thought they were going to change it with COVID and the shortened season, but it appears that they kept it the same. Parker, do you happen to know where Jared Walsh is from? I do not. So I didn't find this out until about like an hour before we started recording. He's actually from Brookfield. And oh, wow. Yeah, when I called Richie and I was like, Milwaukee okay, guy. there we go. We got a Milwaukee guy that actually has some power on like Craig Council. Like that's kind of nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Walsh, is, Walsh is nice, isn't he? And, and Richie had him last year, just didn't really feel like there was the value in keeping him because the profile, there's usually one or two of them on the waiver wire at some point in the season. You know, obviously they get scooped up. But I do think in that lineup, we are talking trades, obviously, outside of this. But when we, when you initially talked talked to me about him, what I like about Walsh is the fact that Trout, Rendon, and Otani bat in that lineup. There are so many counting stats that you can get from those guys. And in all honesty, you're going to get a fastball to hit because you've got three to four other guys that are so dangerous. But I really like Walsh. Yeah, I mean, he, he clubbed 36 home runs in AAA last year. So um, he's definitely got the power. Um, and in our league with there's, where there's no um, penalty for strikeouts, which is a little downfall of his, um, it really pays off with having that power. And I, I, that's a great point on the Angels lineup. They're going to have to pitch to him. Where does he hit usually in the lineup? I'm going to pull that up. I wanted to get your opinion on that. So that was a rule change that we may have made, I think, before you got in the league. Has it always been no penalty for strikeouts while you've been playing? Yes, I believe so, which really on uh, the strategy end is get big bats, get yeah. the Adam Dunn's, get yep. the Jared Walsh's. I mean, who cares? One for five with a home run is better for, than four for four with four singles. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think that was kind of our thought process when we were doing it. You would have to change your strategy so much. And a guy like Pete Alonso, who Richie loves and I like quite a bit, you know, he becomes so less valuable. And it's like, but he still hit 50 some home runs his rookie year. Like, why are we decentivizing players for having like strikeouts? Like, yes, they're a part of the game now. It's not like 20 years ago when Dunn was playing, when we were kids, and, you know, 200 strikeouts was this atrocity in baseball. Richie, what are your, what's your thoughts on this no strikeout penalty? Yeah, I, I see the value in it. I like it, um, at least for our league, because pitching is scored more heavily than in other standard head-to-head points leagues. So I like it how we have it set up. Uh, the only, one thing I was trying to push for completely off topic is getting more points for stolen bases. Right now we only have one point. So I think those speedsters like Adalberto Mondesi and um, Byron Buxton, those guys who are going to steal – anywhere from 30 to 40 bags kind of lose value in this. But uh, going back to Jared Walsh, I think he bets fifth or sixth, Matt, 
um, just from the last few games that I've saw. Um, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but yeah, Jared Walsh, I felt like was a guy who's going to bat 250, 260 and hit around 30 home runs, which is great for most teams, but I just didn't have the room for him. I needed to get uh, second base and some pitching in our draft, and I had to make the tough choice, and I had to let him walk. Yeah, right now he is, I'm looking at the game from Wednesday, he's after Trout. So their lineup has Fletcher, Otani, Trout, Walsh. My guess would be as soon as Rendon comes back, you're paying a guy $30 million a year, you're going to put him behind Trout as protection. And then you would probably slot Walsh, looks like, fifth. Yeah, usually it was Trout and then Rendon. Yeah. And then Walsh was always following. And I'm pretty impressed with the Angels so far. Me and you, Richie, were talking about uh, Bundy before we started recording. And, dude, this team's offense, with Otani operating at that level, is so deadly. And to your point, Parker, about having bats, like, they've got them on this team. Like, it's it's very evident. Um, But moving along, did you have any other players that you specifically wanted to talk about with Richie and I today? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you um, one more player um, that I know Matt's real high on also, um, and I actually snagged him off the waiver wire before Matt did. I was real high on him um, coming into the year, um, but didn't feel the need to draft him, didn't have the roster space. Um, but Nate Lowe, um, who, oh, you know, there it is. has yep. Another a one ton, of, ton of power. Um, you know, he was kind of in a platoon before, wasn't sure, can't hit lefties. Looks like he's an everyday starter for Texas now. Who um, and he's batting about he's batting fifth. Um, actually, he's second in the league in RBIs right now, behind JD Martinez, who's on fire, um, and has that hard hit rate, which I know you guys both love too. It just you know the Freddie Freemans of the world. If you're hitting it hard, it's 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 gonna find a hole. So um, I think his hard hit rate's around like 50 percent in his career. So if he can just figure out how to hit lefties. Um, you know, I think he's, he's going to turn into a pretty good player, still pretty young where, um, I think his development is really going to take off this year. Yeah. If you listen to some of our earlier podcasts, this was a guy that before draft season even started, Matt and I were all over Nate Lowe and we were like, this guy's going to break out. He's finally getting a chance. And then we didn't even listen to our own advice and just let him sit on the (laughs) waiver wire. Jeez, what are we doing? But yeah, we are fully on board and, um, yeah, I wish I would have caught his uh, hot streak and scooped him up myself, but I'll settle for your mean Mar- Mercedes instead. Yeah, it's funny, Parker. We were recording. I think you got him on a Monday morning, or it, the day doesn't necessarily matter, but we were recording, and I had a couple waivers in for different guys, and like during the recording process, I was like, screw that. I'm going for Nate Lowe. Like, he just hit another home run today. Like, I'm just going to switch out a waiver put in the dollar waiver claim. I wake up the next morning, like, you know, counting Christmas, like, oh, I can't wait to see Nate Lowe on my team. And I see that you got him for $3, and I felt like some kid had stolen my bike. And uh, it, was, it was just a little upsetting. But I think a fantastic pickup for your team. Um, he He's definitely, as you had said, kind of that, that big bopper, right? And those are the guys that you need. Um, I also think Mountcastle is going to be really big for you. What are your thoughts on Ryan and kind of like his ceiling as you move forward? Yeah, Ryan. Ryan's a great um, you know prospect. When you know looking back, I I was really researching because a lot of the prospects, you know, the top twenty guys were taken, and in our league, you know, you can't really just look at like the top rankings because you know they're ranking him as a five tool type player, like. 
what's their defense like? What's their pop rate as a catcher? You know, it's not purely their bat or purely if they're getting wins or mm-hmm. saves or striking guys out. So you got to really d- dive into their stats. And Mountcastle was like in the 80s, I think, or really low in the top 100 overall prospects. But I saw he can just club. He really can hit and um, had that power. And I know you both were real high on him. Um, and I uh, actually kept him uh, for last year, and he, he came up and hit like 350, 360 in the shortened season and was really, really dominant. Um, he hasn't had a great start to this year, but still young. Um, I think he's got a lot of promise. You know, there's always those growing pains when they bring up a prospect um, where they get real hot um, because uh, a lot of the pitching doesn't have film on them. And then once the coaches can kind of analyze their swing and stuff, um, they really find kind of holes in their swing. So hoping he can get past that um, as throughout his whole minor league career. And even last year, he's, he's been pretty consistently, um, you know, powerful and hit for a great average. I, I, I couldn't have said it better, man. He, he is absolutely a hitter first. And I think you, I think you have a hitter for the next three years or however long you choose to keep him. I love Ryan. I, I can't wait for him to, you know, be that 310, 315 hitter with 30-plus home runs. The Orioles so desperately need it. And if you pair him with Rutschman and that pitching staff that they're developing, maybe Austin Hayes finally figures out to stay healthy and Mullins can keep it going. What's your thoughts on kind of co-managing a team, Parker, and how you guys share that relationship and how you guys decide which moves to make? Yeah, um... It's, it's real interesting because you guys don't do it. Um, it. You guys are, Matt and Richie both have their own team. And I don't know how many co-managers we have in the league now, but it's very interesting. Um, Max and I have a really good relationship in general. Um, and kind of what I alluded to in the beginning, he's just, a, he thinks very different than I do. Um, I'm more of the longevity guy, like, no, let's hold on to Johnny Cueto three years ago because he's still good. And we probably should drop him because he's getting crushed um, and look at the stats overall. But um, just communication overall. I mean, really just we, I mean, we're texting all the time about players and who we should pick up and who we should not and who should we trade for. And just making sure you approve everything with the other player. I will throw Max a little, um, a little crap here. Um, a couple years ago, actually our first year, um, he um, – uh, is not the biggest baseball fan, but uh, was living in Milwaukee, and that was the year they traded for Yelly. And if you remember, he did not get off to a great start that year. He okay. was pretty poor um, overall. And Max saw the need for starting pitching um, in general and how that's such an asset in the league. And Dylan Bundy, who you guys love now on the Orioles, was hot at the time. And just goes to show you, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't always make sense, um, you know, to trade for the hot guy, but sometimes it does. You have to really look at the numbers. Um, but he did do that trade, Yelich, for Dylan Bundy straight up um, my first year. Um, and Bundy just started to get lit up, and then Yelich went on to win the MVP. So um, it, it's an interesting kind of dynamic, um, but we've learned to really work with it and, um, you know, give and take just like any relationship. So so just out of curiosity from like my own experience where like initiating trade talks, like I'll either text um, you or I'll just text both 
you guys on the side and like sometimes it takes a little bit for you guys to respond and so I'm kind of figuring to myself okay they're probably talking to each other on the side obviously that happens but how much of it is one guy arguing for versus against do you find max arguing like yeah we should do this trade or do you find yourself saying yeah we should do it more often um i think max is more open to doing moves where i'm more into keeping the players that i'm invested with so i'm more of the eh, we can get more i actually my old job i used to negotiate sports sponsorship deals with professional like sports teams so, like, I've done deals with, like, the Boston Red Sox, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington football team. Um, so the art of negotiation is very interesting. Um, and uh, silence is key, um, if you've noticed. Um, because then a lot of people are like, why are you not texting me back? Why is he not responding to my uh, message? Um, why is he not answering my uh, fantasy uh, trade in general? Um, because then a lot of the times they're willing to give more um, than you think. Um, the biggest thing in, in negotiating in general, I'll just tell you, the number one rule is the willingness to walk away. If you're willing to walk away, you have all the power in a negotiation. So, um, Well, it's funny you bring that up. So we, Rich and I kind of talked about that today. You know, our trade with Barrios earlier in this year, when you had said to me afterwards that you would have taken it like for just Barrios, I stepped back and I was like, okay, he he burned my ass, right? Because you got Lopez and Garcia, right? Like I had thrown in yep. two extra guys because because for me, I just wanted to close the deal. And I was like, you know what? If I have if I can let these guys walk anyways, and I can put them in a package, I'll do it. But the point of why I'm saying this is because I then analyzed our trade negotiation and realized, to your point, you use silence against me. And it was, it's genius, and it absolutely is the truth. I think we're so eager these days to close deals and to have that instant gratification of, okay, my needs are met, where when you use silence in a fantasy perspective when it comes to trading, you absolutely have the upper hand because the other guy is already getting excited about the prospect of having this newfound player. And I don't think enough teams do that. And I also don't think enough teams are willing to walk away, right? And... If you can always hold that advantage like you do, you're always going to be okay. Richie, what do you think of that strategy? Well, I think if Reed's listening, he should take some notes because I'm pretty sure <laughs> silence has been his killer. <laughs> um, no, I definitely agree. I've been I fell victim to that myself, where I'll uh, send something over like in the midst of trade talks, and then it just goes silent, and I'm like, okay, we were just in the heat of conversation, now nothing. I'm like wait five ten minutes and i'll throw like another player or like bump up one like a, one of my starting pitchers i'll go from like my number six to my number five or something so definitely a tactic that works works um i'll have to use it more often thing too um just on on kind of just trades in general that i fall victim to is um you know i'm always trying to get the best value obviously you saw that matt where i was just like trying to get you know pablo lopez out of here or debbie mm -hmm. garcia i didn't even know if i wanted to keep either of them but i had them i could trade them Absolutely. i could do whatever i wanted with them get as much value as possible but um to an extent because the other team's willing to walk away also and you don't want to come in too low also um i've learned that if you throw a terrible offer they're just gonna be like no i don't i'm not interested at all you need to give them a fair offer, but still have two or three offers in mind uh, in the back of your head to counter back with them. Okay, so that brings up a really good point, and I want to ask you about this, and I think Richie has curiosity as well. And 
if if you don't want to answer it because of how it pertains to fantasy, you don't have to. But it's a question about Reed and his trade tactics. You know, over the last two or three years, he's really hounded you and Max for Tatis and Vladimir, right? Guerrero Jr. Um, and he he usually low balls. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but how have you viewed his trades in the beginning? How do you view him now? And w- is there any real negotiation or do you just take not take him seriously in those talks? Wanted to uh, give you a little taste of the silence treatment right there because <laughs> that's we're really, all on uh, the edge of our seats, Wade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, no, but that's that's the art of it. Sometimes it's that. Um, it's just that. I I mean, I'll definitely I'll look. At, he'll send a text. I won't look at it. I I'll read it. Mm-hmm. I won't open it. If he has iPhone, I don't. I won't open it. I'll read it. I know what the trade is right when he sends it to me, but I won't. I won't look at it. Um, and then. And I, I see it's a terrible offer typically. So, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open to, you know, I mean, I'm just like, I'm pretty harsh with them. I'm like, take a walk, you know, yeah. like there's, there's no way, or I'll, I'll send him a terrible trade back and be like, Hey, how about this? Like, why don't you give me Juan Soto for like this guy and this guy and this guy that I'm not keeping? I'll be like, he'll be like, what? No, I can't give up Juan Soto. Well, why would I want to give up Tatis? Like, like, like uh. Rich, Rich, Richie and I were trading. Like, oh, we were just we were joking about this earlier today. today. And, yeah. um, and we were just talking about, you know, cause I need an outfielder real bad. I, Eloy, you know, he had to reach over the fence in spring training. What the heck is he doing? <laughs> um, but, um, uh, you know, I was trying to get an outfielder from Richie and I'm like, I'm not going to even ask you about Acuna. Like, it's just stupid. Like, I'm not going to give you Tatis. You're not going to give me Acuna. Like those guys are just. Absolute ballers! Like, what are you trying to do? Um, <laughs> not and, even, and not just, even worth asking. He is just like steadfast and like he only wants Tatis. He, like, I'm like, how about this guy? How about this guy? Nope, just Tatis or Vlad. I'm like, I can't give you my best player. Like, what do, what do you expect from me? So, Until he realizes that if you're giving him Tatis, Juan Soto has to be involved. I, I, I mean, that's just common knowledge. If I'm asking for Tatis, I obviously know Acuna has to be involved. And same goes for Matt. His best player is going to have to be involved. Uh, but I think this is enough uh, ranting on uh, trades. Matt, I believe there's some news and notes you want to touch on. Yeah, let's hit these real quick. Uh, we are kind of getting to the end of our show. So we obviously had a no-hitter last night. Carlos Rodon, nine innings, seven strikeouts. I think it was 19 swinging strikes. Fantastic game. What are your, both of your thoughts on Rodon kind of coming back from the injuries? Uh, Parker, we'll start with you. Well, first of all, Perez, what is he doing? I Come know. on, leaning into that to give up a perfect game. And Musgrove, wasn't his kind of uh, stopped by a hip batter as well? Kind of interesting. Um, but... Um, in general, Rodon, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chicago guy. I, I've always been pretty high on him. He he was good when they weren't so great. And, you know, two years removed, what an awesome story, um, you know, and just great overall. Um, but pretty interesting. Um, you know, Matt, Matt grabbed him for five bucks off the waiver wire. And um, I've always kind of had him in my sights. Um, so it was a great pickup, and I'm real happy for him overall. And, you know, the White Sox should be a force to be reckoned with this year. They have really built a great team. Yeah, they lose they lose uh, Eloy, right? And you get what may be the best version we've ever seen of Rodon. It's it's kind of this nice little trade off. Um, you obviously love to have Eloy in that lineup. Um, 
I'm happy for Rodon. Just forget the fantasy concept or all that's relevance. Like, I'm just happy that this 28-year-old can have at least one shining moment in his career and really something to look back on. Richie, what do you think? You want to talk about uh, you feeling like a kid stole your Christmas with Nate Lowe? (laughs) (laughs) My Christmas got stole when you took Rodon from me. I was watching his first start of the game, and I I was on him in the preseason, and I just was kind of keeping quiet because I saw that he had developed a curveball in spring training. It was lights out, and I was like, okay, I'm going to you know, pick him up before he starts, and I decided to pick up Logan Allen because he had relief pitching ability, and I actually uh, ended up dropping him because he didn't have the greatest start, and then Rodon went and pitched lights out. I was like, okay, I watched that game. I went from $1, $2 to $3. And I believe you were watching it too, Matt, and you went from 1 to 3 to 5. Yep. And uh, that's how you got him. But going to his no-hitter, man, I was just watching. He is filthy. He is locating his pitches. His fastball was up. He hit 99 after his 100th pitch. Man, he looks rock solid. It also helps that he's fucking jacked. Um, just looks like a competitor. I think he's got it all. And... Um, I think he's easily a top 20, top 30 pitcher as we speak. Yeah, I agree. We were, Parker, we were talking about rankings before you came on today, and uh, there are some, some experts out there that have him kind of like behind guys like Taylor Malley, and who are a few of the other names, Richie, that we just didn't agree with? Uh, it was Kevin like Gossman. Kevin Gossman, yeah. Brad Keller, Brady Singer, like that whole group of pitchers that are in like the 40 to 60 range, and it's like, those guys aren't doing anything. They haven't done anything the past year and a half. Yeah, they'll go maybe five, six innings, give up three, four runs, but they're only going to give you three, four strikeouts. Like, they're your solid average Joe pitchers. Yeah, they don't have big old biceps like our boy Carlos does. All right, kind of, uh, Richie, wrap us up today. Give us a closer coaster. I like it. Is that a new name? Is this going to be our segment? Closer yeah, this coaster? was... This was uh, something I was actually texting Jackson about the other day, and I was like, God, I just feel like I'm on a roller coaster just going in and out of all these closers. I think I pick up like two or three every single week now. I got Yimmy Garcia this week. We'll, we'll see who it is next week. But I was like, yeah, roller coaster. You might as well call it the closer coaster. I was like, oh, I like that. We should use that for – I like that. Uh, so speaking of closer coasters, uh, I think you walked away, Matt, but uh, Jordan Romano just got placed on the IL with uh, – what was it called? Right ulnar nuclei, nucleitis. I I, th- I think I botched that. But anyways, he'll be out a couple weeks. Okay. Um, and so Julian Merriweather's out with a left oblique strain. So I think it's Rafael Dolis is the starting or the relief pitcher closer now for the Blue Jays. So it's all over the board. Um, I don't know what to do with that situation. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean at this point, stay away from Toronto. Um... It sounds like an absolute utter disaster. And I, I don't know, Parker, you've got your relievers pretty well sold up, right? Who are your guys right now, Barnes and who? So I have um, I, I got Barnes and then Melanson, who was a great pickup. I was so scared at the beginning of the year because I drafted Melanson for $19. And they were like, oh, well, Pomerantz made clothes, Pagan <laughs> yeah. made clothes. So if you remember, like week one, I picked up all three of them <laughs> just in case, uh, along with Ottavino and uh, Barnes. So Max is like, Parker, why do we have five relievers, five relief pitchers on two teams? <laughs> I'm like, I need one of them to hit. And look, now Barnes and Melanson are solid. 
Yeah. Um, so those two are great. And then um, I was texting Matt about this last night, but this uh, Cesar Valdez on the Orioles, mm-hmm. um, he's been awesome. And uh, he doesn't throw real hard, but um, has been um, doing really well in general and picks up a win or two here and there um, with the Orioles like playing so hot. They're a great team too to, you know, kind of jump on the bandwagon of. When we said this last night, you know, what I love about Valdez is when they win, it'll usually be close. And the Orioles are allowing him to pitch multiple innings. Like, you might have the best reliever in fantasy baseball if he stays healthy. You know, like he could accumulate maybe 80 to 90 innings and maybe like eight to nine wins, maybe 30 saves. Like, that guy is incredibly valuable. Now, we'll just have to see if he comes to compete. Um, Richie, is there any other news that you would like to hit before we say goodbye today? Well, just because you told me I had to, you were right about Mitch Haniger. I was wrong. He looks like he's back. Um, looks like he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy since 2018 when he batted 285, had a 859 OPS with 26 homers, 93 RBIs, and 90 runs. He's off to a great start right now. He's got a 321 average with four homers, 10 RBIs, and he's got a 956 OPS. Um, I'm hoping he can get back to 26 homers, but um, he might just be on a hot streak right now. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on him right now? Two homers today. I mean, he's hot right now, and you got to ride it until you know it, it goes downhill. Um, you know, I think right now he's just a streaming option. But I mean, place him on your bench. It's like um, Naquin with me. You know, he just got off to such a hot start. He had five home runs, and now you know he's in a playing time issue with Jesse Winker coming back. But I kind of want to hold on to him just to kind of see if you know he jumps in and kind of kind of go off at some point because um, I mean how can you keep a bat like that out of the lineup yeah that shocks me kind of and Cincinnati's been doing this now I think this is year two or three where they accumulate this treasure chest of wealth you know they got Shoge Akiyami I'm butchering his name but from Japan I think it was last season you know they had signed Nick Castellanos they have Nick Senzel they have Winker like they've got all these guys and now this year you're bringing a Nick win and and he's blowing it out of the water, and yet you're still not giving him like a guaranteed starting spot. It's really disappointing, but that's kind of what they've been known for over the last two years. You know, if this were 2022 and we had the DH, I think it would be a different story because you could just rotate these guys through. But kind of to your point, with you know, do you do you drop Naquin? Do you do you hold on to him? Currently, the second best player in our availability on the free agent market is Adam Eaton. The first is Jed Lowry. So, um, yeah, I'd say hold on to him. There's not a whole lot out there that's better. And, you know, if, if he's a guy like we talked about last night that turns into your fourth outfielder, that's great. Yeah, it's just the biggest thing is, you know, with the rotations and the weekly lineups, it's tough um, to really put him in. And, uh, you know, another point, you know, Max and I were looking at at the beginning of this week, was uh, like Fanmel Reyes, or if you have a DH and they're playing at an NL park now, you got to think about that. Like, are they going to sit for three games because they can't play the outfield? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know Matt, you have a couple DHs on your team. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to play if they're, you know, if they have four games against an NL team. Do you start them? I just bite the bullet, and um, it's something that I do going into the season where, you know, to have Nelson Cruz and Jordan Alvarez 
is a benefit usually, right? You've got two big time hitters, but you also take that hit of, hey, like I'm just not gonna start them when they play an NL team. And I've had that in years where I've made that decision. And Nelson Cruz hits five home runs in three games in the only three games he plays that week. And I'm sitting there looking like a total idiot because why would I ever bench Nelson Cruz? Like I draft him to get his 40 home runs. If five of them come with him on my bench, that's a big point deduction from his overall like standing. So I always roster two DHs. It just seems how it has been over the last few years. And I always keep them in the lineup when they face NL teams. I don't know if it's a show of good faith or if it's just that I really look at it and say, like, maybe they can get me 15 points. But, yeah, I just suck it up. Richie, what do you think about that DH utility option? Yeah, I usually try to stay away from DH-only players. Um, Now, coincidentally, I have two on my team with Otani and Yerman Mercedes. So I'm kind of have to figure it out for the first time ever. I actually traded for Otani for the pitcher aspect of him, and I haven't used him there. And I was like, well, I got to slide him in at utility, and it actually has actually done wonders for me. He's been one of my best hitters. So I think as it stands right now, I'm probably just going to be biting the bullet and hope that Otani and Mercedes don't play NL the same week, and hopefully it works out. Otherwise, I might be taking a loss that week. So Mercedes has no catcher eligibility? No, he has catcher eligibility now, but they're only playing him as DH. Okay. So what I'm saying is is when the White Sox play in the NL, I'm cons- – well, I guess they could play him at catcher, I, but I think they've only played him exclusively at DH. So I guess that will be interesting to see when they do play an NL team yeah, in an NL if, park. If he can catch. I mean, I think, I think he's so fantastic at what he does, like – to be able to have a DH at your catcher position is pretty nice. Um, definitely something I think I even personally overlooked earlier in this season when he was 8 for 8 or 9 for 9. Um, but all right, let's wrap it up for the day, you guys. Parker, we have some fantastic news that you probably already know. Um, Fernando Tatis is coming back, it seems like. What are your expectations really quick before we leave? Um, are you worried at all that that shoulder pain may linger? Yeah, I mean, he's had it in the past, um, kind of in the minors before he was brought up. Um, and he's such a, you know, a vibrant player, um, you know, really takes hard swings and goes hard for balls. So I'm hoping he can just dial back a little bit while maintaining, you know, his overall intensity and his demeanor that he has that makes him Fernando Tatis. Um, but excited to have him back. I hope he's not coming back too early. Um, he's expected back Friday, so really crossing my fingers as, um, my hitting lineup is just riddled with injuries. I was telling, um, I think both of you guys, my whole infield, which is actually a pretty decent infield, is like all injured right now. Matt Olson has the you know finger issue, thumb issue. Um, Altuve may have COVID. Tatis is hurt, and Donaldson's just coming back because <laughs> he had a double and slid into second. Oh my and God. I have Eloy Jimenez who <laughs> reached over the fence in a spring training game and is out for the season. So. Um, yeah, my hitting lineups really, uh, really needs needs a pickup. So Richie caught me on a bad week. We didn't talk about that. He is smoking me right now, but uh, I'm a force to be reckoned with, and we'll come for him later. See, though, you want to lose the first game, right? Because you know, it, like the players will hold that grudge coming back <laughs> around later in the season, and you'll get you'll get your number back. Don't worry. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Now, uh, Matt, I don't know when I play you, but. Um, 
that'll be there'll be a lot of trash talk that week as well yeah dude i might just have to take off work a couple days so that we can like you know (laughs) zoom and watch a game or something and like just talk shit or something i'll just fly to vegas i'll just fly to vegas and work from there hey well if you invested in dodgecoin then you can fly out there because that's over 30 cents now Dodge let's go. Well, I just wanted to thank you both for inviting me on. Um, you know, I got I text you guys all the time about fantasy. Have never met either of you in person, but um, you guys are great dudes and um, really know your stuff. And um, excited to be in the league this year with you guys. And you know, uh, come back on anytime. Yeah, absolutely, Parker. No, we we appreciate it. Um, you know, we'll get this edited up and. We'll have you listen to it, see what you think, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks for hopping on, Parker. Uh, we'll have to have you on for a few more episodes. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening once again. Today we had Richie and Parker and obviously myself. We look forward to you next week. Remember to like and subscribe. We are on all podcast listening formats, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Podbean as well. We will see you next week. Take care.